this is John Gunter with the Eagle Community Church of Christ in Mont Bellevue, Texas. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We are so excited that you would be interested in our teaching at our church. And today we begin a, a fun series for the Halloween season of October. Today we start a series I'm calling Stranger Stories, where each week we'll look at a, a different story that does have a bit of strangeness to it. Uh, this week we start with the prophet Jonah, and uh, I don't know what you remember about that story, but I think it's even more strange, I guess, than even I remember uh, each time I've studied it. Each time I've studied it, something else has popped out about uh, this this episode. And so I hope through this study, through this kind of fun twist on things, that we can learn a lot, that we can learn a, a lot about who God is and who he wants us to be. And so again, I thank you for tuning into this podcast. Come and see us. Thank you, Paul, for leading that. Again, we want to welcome you uh, to our church. Uh, Today we begin a new series, uh, as you can see behind you, Stranger Stories from the Bible. What I want you to notice here in just a second is the font I chose and the background and compare that to what Tammy put in the bulletin this week. We did not coordinate I told Tammy, I said, you may freak out. It's, it's, too, uh, it's too close. Uh, but yeah, t- today, uh, anybody ever know of or have watched Stranger Things? Okay, a few of you, yeah. Okay, so you know what? You may have recognized this font and this, this screen here. So Stranger Things is a, is a show on Netflix. It's uh, uh, just on, on Netflix, but... It's a sci-fi uh, show that is t- is features a bunch of kids who end up encountering something they did not want to encounter due to some like government work. Everybody loves a good conspiracy, right? Uh, due, due to some things the government is doing, Will Byers, who is uh, in, in season one, is the, the main character here. He takes uh, a road home from his friend's house, and he has chosen the wrong road that night because he encounters something uh, that takes him into what the show calls the Upside Down. Now, the Upside Down is just like real life, except it's dark and it's dreary and it's kind of scary. It has the scary monsters uh, in it. And so for this month, we are going to kind of go with this this kind of sci-fi, dark, creepy theme, uh, and we're going to look at places in the Bible where uh, people have really gone the wrong way, they've gone down the wrong road, and they may have ended up in what we might call the upside down, the place we do not want to be. And so today we're going to talk about a very well-known story. We're going to do a lot of scripture today, so uh, buckle up, be ready. But today we're talking about Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, and I wish you could see this because I basically picked the same background. This this smoke, cloud, whatever it is. And you can't see that at all up there, can you? Wow. Okay. Chapter 1, run. What do you remember about the Jonah story? For most of us, it is the whale, right? But Jonah is, is such a fantastic story from beginning to end, 
Uh, and what we're, the way we're going to approach this today is we're going to cover the entire story. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I've picked out uh, bits and pieces I want to, to kind of, you know, to get through the story. Uh, and we're going to talk about all the ways that, that Jonah can speak to us here today in 2021. This is the way this begins. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. That could also be confronted me. It is something I have to do something about. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. What an odd beginning to a book of the Bible. You know, when we get to Paul's letter, we love Paul's letter. You know, Paul is, hey, how's it going? Greetings, you know, from Paul, an apostle. I hope you're doing well. Love you. Grace and peace. You know, all of those things. Here it is, you are dropped into the story. It's, it's one of those movies. Anybody like, you know, you don't like the slow moving. Hey, put me into the action. Like, that's the kind of book I want to read. A buddy of mine recommended a, a series to me. And I, ah, I, don't, I don't really like to read. And, and this is kind of like this. You, you drop you know, on the front lines immediately. You know what's going on. But, but that's what you get here in Jonah is, all right, God told Jonah, you need to go talk to these people. And in the first few verses, Jonah says, peace out, no thanks. So what is, what is our response to God? I'm going to leave that with you as, as we go through this. What is our response to God when God says, hey, I need you to go do this? Jonah said, I am out. He found the closest ship. He is headed out to Tarshish. All right, let's keep going here. But Jonah had gone below deck. So there's a, uh, he gets on this ship and there's a storm kind of uh, flaring up. Where have you heard this before? Master of the tempest is raging. Jonah goes, he's asleep. He's laid, laid back again. I hope, hope you're hearing kind of a, a New Testament uh, tie here. But it says, Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. What are you doing sleeping? We need help. We're going to die. Why do you not care about this? I'll tell you, some people have different personalities. Anybody figured that out yet? You know, especially when somebody has a way different personality than you, you're like, man, they're weird. So in Arkansas, so I was at University of Arkansas in the early 2000s, and we had a quarterback named Matt Jones. And, and the thing that, that people kept criticizing Matt about, he was too laid back. Like, he always looked like he didn't care. And one of the big stories about Matt was, was one night a tornado had come by, and he slept through it. Like he's just, he's just, you know, dead to the world, doesn't, you know, doesn't care. And, and so you see that and you wonder, well, do you even care? And so these men, you know, it, it doesn't say, you know, much about them. They're, they're like, what's going on? Get up, quit sleeping. Do you not care about us? Uh, look, look what they says here. Call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. So notice that the men here are telling Jonah to call on God. Jonah doesn't sit up and say, hey, my God will take care of this. So when the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, 
Who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? And from what people are you? Is Jonah's reply, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. So, uh, and among their, their conversations with him, he had already said, listen, I'm, I'm running away from God. I'm getting away. Now, isn't it weird in this story that Jonah hears from God and he tells God no, but it appears that he has a faith to go and share this with, I am a Hebrew I am. Uh, I worship the the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. So, I worship the God who's in control of all of this that you're looking at right now. How many times do we uh, have a faith, or, or we at least say, you know, I worship the God that handles all of this, but in practice, our life says we don't really care about Him, not really interested in doing what He has asked us to do. Okay, and that's that's what Jonah is doing here. Jonah is saying, "Hey, I've got faith. That I am a Hebrew." You almost hear the the kind of uh, maybe a little arrogance in that. I am a Hebrew, and I worship the God who's in control of all of this. And he had already told them uh, that he was running away from the Lord. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, "What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us?" Look at Jonah's reply here. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Now, what questions are you asking when you hear this verse? Why in the world does a man who knows it's his fault then ask the crew of the ship, hey, would you throw me overboard like you just threw all the luggage and all the the extra weight overboard? You hear how Jonah doesn't really, he takes responsibility, but then he's not really interested in actually, you know, he could jump overboard himself, right? Fully capable. But he still wants in this moment somebody else to be responsible for him. Why is that? I'll just leave that, leave that with you right now. He says, it, it will become calm. I know that it's my fault because the, stri- the great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done, for, for you, Lord, I'm missing something here. For you, Lord, have done as you please. There we go. It's running off the back there. Have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. What's strange about that, church? The Hebrew, the one who knows he worships the God of the land and the sea, has a problem doing what God wants. The men who are just like, hey, pray to your God, whoever that is, could you fix this because we don't want to die? Those men are getting it. We will see this also in the New Testament. Um, Many times, you you know, it's the, the Roman centurion, the outsider who seems to get it. 
when those inside the camp, inside the church, so to speak, don't really have the same kind of faith. And here we see, man, that they, they're worried. Jonah has said, hey, this will all be over if you'll just chunk me into, do we, do we say chunk or chuck here? Chuck is more northern, right? And then, you know, when they hear us say chunk, they, they kind of laugh because that's not the right word. But, yeah, I chunk it too. So, yeah, it, throw me overboard. Throw me overboard and this will all be over. And they're like, we don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be guilty of murder. We don't want to be, you know, a part of this in some negative way. And so you see their faith at this moment. Like, God, please have mercy on us. You're, you're doing what you want to do. We want this to be over. We don't want to die but we also don't want to be a part of, of whatever he's asking here. And so they, they kind of throw him over with, with great like, like fear and anxiety that God's going to do something against them now. But it says there, there at the end, at this the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Again, you see the outsiders starting to get it. You see the outsiders having a faith and, and seeing all that God is doing right in front of them, both the storm that's about to kill them and then the calmness of it. They say, okay, this is a God worthy of sacrifice. This is a God worthy of our vows to, uh, to follow. It doesn't say really what, what they're vowing right there, but uh, how many times have you been in a situation where you have made a vow to God? Like, God, if you will just get me out of this. Been there before? One thing I will never forget was uh, one of my one of my teachers in uh, Bible school when I, was, when I was growing up, she had made some kind of vow. I don't remember what it, was, what it was for, but her deal was she would no longer drink coffee, and she stuck by it. Now, some of y'all, I don't know if you could function. I don't know if we'd want to be around you if you didn't have coffee. But like she, you know, she made that vow, so she was going to stick to it. And so you, you kind of hear a serious, you feel a seriousness with this, that they've witnessed all of these things. And they said, you know what? <laughs> we'll make vows to you. They don't even really know who he is, but they know what he can do, right? They're religious men. They have seen what God can do. We're going to make vows to him. In Jonah chapter 2 so Jonah has just been thrown from this boat, and this is kind of our, our favorite point in the story, right? God creates this or brings this fish up to, to swallow Jonah, whatever the case may be. And in the belly of the fish, Jonah seems to have at this moment one of those uh, kind of changing moments where you, you hear this prayer to God like, okay, Jonah is finally getting it. And Jonah writes some, some beautiful words here. And if you notice in your Bible, this will be written in, in a different kind of format, and what you get is, is some poetry. And so this is what uh, the prayer of Jonah, part of it, looks like. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth Beneath barred me in forever, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. So Jonah's saying in that moment, I will preach to people that salvation comes from God. 
And what you hope as a reader of this story is that, that Jonah is changed in this moment. You, you know from the beginning, from those first couple of verses, that Jonah's in the wrong, right? You know he is, he is running away from God. You know he is not following the right path. And here you, you kind of get this turn. Okay, all right, finally the main character starts to get it, and, and it turns. And then it says, so, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So Jonah comes out of this after praising God and saying, God, I will, I will, I will preach this salvation to other people. I'm so thankful that you did all of these things in this beautiful poetry. And we get to Nineveh, Jonah chapter 3. It's only four chapters, so if you're going, man, how long is this? <laughs> Jonah's a really short, uh, short story, so read that in just a, just a few minutes. <laughs> and chapter 19. No, <laughs> second service is going to have to wait. But it says, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Again, what do you hear here? Hear, here. H-E-R-H-E-R-E. Yeah. H-E-A-R? Uh, did I say H-E-R? Her here. What do you hear here? The outsiders, the people kind of opposed to God in this story, what do they, I mean, there, there's, no, there's no like long thing. All Jonah gives you here is, is Jonah proclaims 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And they say, okay, what, what can we do? And they do it, right? Like immediate, you know, God speaks and they listen. What has Jonah not done this whole time? You know, he's spoken directly to Jonah. Jonah said, you know what? No thanks. And so it says, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. So even, even the king, it says, put on this sackcloth and ashes. There, there was no hierarchy. There was, we're all doing this. There's a unity uh, among these people that we are all going to be right before God. Oh, well, look what the king does. It says, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. So the, the people there took it so seriously that the king said, even the animals are not going to eat. Even the animals are going to look like they're putting on sackcloth and ashes and are going to you know, be reverent before God, going to be humbled before God. And maybe then, again, you hear this faith of people that are the outsiders in this story, maybe then God will relent. Maybe then God will show his mercy. When God saw that they, they did what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Church, does God change his mind? Yeah, he does. You saw it right here. Now, now, what is that based upon? It's based upon our actions, right? Now, God's saying, and a lot of times what we, what we don't understand about the prophets is the, well, the prophets are always predicting the future. No, what the prophets are doing is saying if, uh, most of the time is if you don't do this, God's going to do this. And so if, if the people do not do that, then it looks like they have predicted the future. 
But here, Jonah preaches, the people respond, and God says, okay, I'm not going to destroy you uh, like, like Jonah had preached and like I said I was going to because you have repented uh, in this way. And the final chapter here I've called Rage. And if this was a new story to you, you would wonder. I mean, it really sounds like a, uh, a good story, right? Jonah in the beginning is running from God. He has this moment, he has this uh, point in the story where his mind is changed. You know, something uh, very dramatic happens to him and he changes his mind. He said, you know what, God, I am going to follow you. I'm going to be a preacher of yours. And, and you see this response and you see him go to these people and you see these people say, yes. We were wrong, we're going to repent, and God doesn't bring about this destruction. If the, the story ended here, it'd be a fantastic story, right? A great story of preaching and salvation and, and accepting of God's word. But the story keeps going, which, which kind of makes it odd, because uh, what the, the writer here is doing is, is giving you insight into who Jonah was and his attitude uh, about these things. In chapter 4, it says this, it says, but Jonah, uh, to Jonah... This seemed very wrong that God would not destroy these people. So to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. All right, I'm going to raise my voice just a minute. Just I don't, don't freak you all out, okay? I like bringing life to these scriptures. But this is what Jonah said to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I, when I was still at home that... This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sin and calamity. Now, Lord, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I hope you don't read Scripture like real flat. Because Jonah is angry right here. What is wrong with Jonah that he is angry? You, you got all these descriptions of God. God, I knew that you were this kind of God. I knew that you were slow to anger. You know, you almost hear that little snarkiness in there. I knew that you were this kind of slow to anger, abounding in love, you know, like your teenager might say to you. I knew you were abounding in love, so you weren't going to punish him like you punished me. That's what you feel, right? He said, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. What is Jonah's problem? Now, again, if we would have stopped at the end of chapter 3, we would have thought, hey, this is a great you know, redemption story. But we get into chapter 4 and we realize this guy's messed up. Because he, he claims to love God. He claims to know who God is and to see God's power. And he's changed. He's going to be a preacher now of righteousness, the New Testament will tell us. He's a preacher of righteousness. But in his heart, he is upset because God would save these other people. I don't know if, if Jonah has some kind of prejudice. Like somebody did something to him one time, like a Ninevite, and so they're all bad now. We can do that. I mean, we like to, we like to really, um, you know, if one thing happens to us, we like blame everything on that group of people. I was going to share a story. We don't have, we don't have enough time for that. Um, but we do that, don't we? I don't know what Jonah's problem is here, but he is upset. It is better for me to die than to live. That is how angry he is. Look at, look at God's response here. He says, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Simple question, right? Is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah says nothing. Jonah, I guess in that moment, is so angry, he's not going to respond. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. 
sat in its shade and waited to see uh, what would happen to the city. So, so Jonah is still sitting outside waiting. You almost hear kind of a hoping that God will again change his mind and, and tear the city up. It says, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. Isn't that an interesting part of the story? Jonah and the plant. We don't ever talk about it. We talk Jonah and the whale, but Jonah and his, his favorite plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. Y'all know this is a hornworm, right? This is one of those tomato hornworm things. Those things are straight from Satan, aren't they? You got your tomatoes growing up, and, and all of a sudden the next day they are gone. And this is what happens here to, to Jonah's favorite plant that's provided him some shade. God provides a worm, isn't that interesting, which chewed the plant so that with it, when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Jonah is a little dramatic. <laughs> Jonah and I would not, uh, would not get along real well. I, I'm pretty laid back, and the, don't give me all the drama. When I met Katie, uh, we were introduced by a mutual friend, and, and I, I love Jennifer to death, but uh, she's dramatic. And so when it was a blind date, and so I thought on that, in that moment, I was like, there's no way I'm going to like Katie. You know, like, like, I mean, like her, but not, you know, anything serious if she's like Jennifer, because I, I don't really do the drama, you know. And then I met Katie, and y'all know the rest of that story. But, but that's what you hear in, in Jonah. Jonah's just over-the-top dramatic. It is better for me to die than to live because this plant died. What a, what a wonderful, he couldn't find anything else, you know. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. Knock it off, man. Chill. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also so many animals? And then the end credits roll on this story. It kind of leaves you feeling like, all right, well, where, where's the rest of it? Because God just kind of drops a truth bomb on Jonah in this moment. You were so concerned, you want to die because of this plant that you had nothing to do with. Because it grew up and then it died. But you think that I shouldn't have a concern for 120,000 people and all the animals. Does God care about the animals? All dogs go to heaven? Y'all remember that? That's a, that's a way back now, isn't it? I think, that, I think that's part of it, too, that, that God cares for the animals. I don't know, there's probably going to be animals in heaven. God cares for them. We see that all throughout Scripture. God's telling you right here, there's so many animals, there's so many people, you, you don't think I should care about them. Like you're being so dramatic and over the top about this one plant that you had nothing to do with. And God sits with all of these people. And I want to kind of uh, run through just a, a few points here as we, as we close. Uh, lessons from Jonah. Number one, do not run from God. Jonah is a story that, that really, uh, I think, should help us hold up a mirror to ourselves. 
And we ask the question, all right, in what parts of my life am I running from God? In what parts of my life has God told me how to follow him or what to do or how to share his message or how to talk to my neighbor or to love my neighbor, all these things? And I have said, you know what? Where's the closest ship? I'm out. No, thank you. It's kind of like we walk away plugging our ears. No, thank you. La, 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 la. And so we should hold up a mirror as we read a story like this and say, all right, well, in what ways am I like Jonah, running from God, never allowing him to catch me? Or maybe even when I do kind of seem like I get it, I'm just going through the motions and my heart is not in it. Number two, God can use us even in that stubbornness. I don't think God needs us to fulfill uh, what he's going to fulfill on this earth. We are not going to put our heels down and, and say no, and God's just going to say, man, I, I didn't think you would do that. My, my plan is foiled. I can no longer save these people. I can't, I can't bring about redemption because John put his heels down. But that even when a, a person that is just going through the motions, God can bring something good out of that. And in this story, it's to save 120,000 people plus all the animals, right? And so when we preach and we teach, what I want to encourage you, sometimes you feel like, man, I'm just, I just feel inadequate. I don't feel like I'm doing enough. I don't feel like I'm reaching anybody. I'm saying, well, just live right where you are because uh, affecting your family can have exponential results in life. That you, you start being that example at home, you start being that example in your workplace, you never know who you're affecting, who you're positively uh, affecting towards God. That is the most frustrating thing about ministry. Is because you will go out there and maybe you feel like, hey, I've got it all going on and, and you don't see any fruits like, am I really making an impact? And I, I love, some of you, some of you guys are going to come up and give me a hug every week, Connie. And I love that. Because a, a lot of times in ministry, you just don't feel like, you know, I can, am I, am I, am I doing something good? Is it helping? Is, it, is any of this helpful? And when you get that, hey, this is helpful. Thank you. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, that goes a long way. And I just want to encourage you at home, you don't have to stand on, on this platform up here to, to be of a great significance in the kingdom of God. Because God can use us even in our stubbornness when we're sitting here thinking, man, I, I know I've been where Jonah, Jonah is. Number three, the other people get it. Sometimes we are so much on the inside in church that we need somebody from the outside to kind of point out how we haven't been faithful to what we claim. So when, you know, we, we talk about being salt and light, we talk about going out into the community, we talk about, uh, you know, really thinking about that, that we're not going to compartmentalize and be church people here and somebody else out there. Because everyone else sees that. It's like when I first started preaching here, I didn't realize that when you're standing up here, you really can see everything that everybody's doing. You know, you, you feel like you get a whisper in or whatever, you, or maybe a nap, I don't know. But, you know, when you first stand up here, it's, it's almost distracting because all of a sudden, you know, I know Scott's been asleep for 15 minutes and, you know, <laughs> he doesn't look interested at all. 
and, and Sheila's got this smirk on her face like she, nah, she's not, I'm picking on you guys, you know, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, but yeah, but it's like that out in the community. People see us. If you're claiming Christianity, if you're claiming I am like Jonah did, I'm a Hebrew, I serve the God who does all of this. So I'm a Christian, I serve the God who does all of this. And people are looking at your life going, well, how has that impacted that? Why has that not, you know, you're, you're claiming a faith, but what I'm seeing here isn't adding up. And so sometimes other people get it and we're just sitting here going through the motions. And we're not being salt, we're not being light, we're just claiming Christianity and that's it, just like Jonah was. I'm a Hebrew, I serve God. What kind of person are you? And number four, God's mercy is always greater than ours. Praise God. Can I get an amen for that? Aren't you glad that the people, I mean, we love our people here, but aren't you glad the person over here isn't judging the person over here and vice versa? The God who sees our hearts and knows us so intimately is in charge of that. You know, with no prejudice, with no outside view or, or assumptions about your motives or anything like that, that God's mercy is always going to be greater than ours. And we need to remember that. Because too often, we, we are like Jonah. We want to go ahead and make that judgment call. We want to go ahead and have those people destroyed because we know who, we know God. I know better than you. We know their motives. We know they're really not. They're just putting on. And God is going, no, I, do you understand how much I love these people? Do you understand how much God loves Jonah through all of this? Don't, don't you see yourself kind of in you know, Jonah's shoes in this? I guess it may not be the same. It didn't play out the same. But in so many ways, we have, we have run away from God. And God's like, hey, won't you come on back? Because I think for some of us, as we have grown up, we have pictured God as someone who as soon as we took that wrong step the other way towards Tarshish, towards the ship, that God said, you know what? I'm done with you. And that is not the picture that God presents in his word. God pre presents himself as a loving God, always seeking that relationship. God could have been done with us when Adam and Eve said, you know, we just want to eat of this fruit. And God, throughout the rest of the Bible, spends his time pursuing, chasing, going after even sending his son to die for people who run away from him. Because his mercy, his grace, his love is always going to be greater than ours. Praise God for that. This morning, if you have feel like you have been in Jonah's shoes, maybe you're still running from God, maybe you still haven't said yes, or maybe, maybe you did kind of turn a little bit because, you know, you felt like God answered a prayer, but your heart's still not in it. We want to pray with you. We want to restore you this morning and understand that God is faithful to do that right now. That God wants you to, to be a part of his family, that he is he's constantly pursuing you just like Jonah. If there's, uh, if today is the day to put on Jesus in baptism, to proclaim that allegiance to Christ, to begin that walk, that transformation of your life, we would love to witness that. So if you have any needs this morning, would you come as we sing our song?